We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Paloma with me. As always today, it is Thursday, July the 15th, which is, I guess, good and bad. The good is that for those of you who are like super excited about football season and stuff like that, it's getting closer. The bad is that you got about three weeks of summer left, and then the kids go back to school and it's over. I thought that's good, though, when the kids go back to school. Yeah, I guess it kind of is. Um, good for parents. I don't know. You know, it's funny. When I was when the kids were younger, I always kind of enjoyed the summer, and I always kind of got a little sad when they went back to school because I kind of missed them. The house got quiet. Now, I think the kids do better when they're in school. I think they 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 their their lives are like I'll right. have, I'll have two in college and like. My wife, Laura Martin, she um, she finally admitted yesterday. I was like, you seem kind of down. And she's kind of down because, you know, we have two girls and a boy. And as much as I think sometimes Laura wants Carson to be a, bo- a girl in a way, you know, with the to come down and visit and talk and all that stuff, I think she's come yeah. to grips with the fact that, nope, he's going to be a typical 14-slash-15-year-old boy where he comes home and he hides in his room. And yep, uh, he'll he'll let us know when he's hungry. And, and um I have one of them. <laughs> yeah. Every so often, every so often, you'll have a, a breakthrough from moment. the cave in the dungeon to come eat and then re and then repositions themselves back into the cave. Yeah. Every once in a while, they'll come out of the cave and, and, and speak, <laughs> and, and you'll know that, hey, you know, there's, it's possible that he cares about us. But uh, yeah, you know, it's just different. And so Caroline's going to be gone in, I guess, like three or four weeks. And um, yeah, I think it's kind of hitting her a little bit. But, you know, I get excited about, I mean, I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, there's no sense in bullshitting. I get excited about football season because I can sell it. I can make more money. I can, I, there's stuff that we do in football season at rebelgrove.com and, and at MPW Digital that we can't do in the other parts of the year. And yeah. um, I, I, I like, shoot me. I like it when I make more money. Well, I mean, and I just love football season because it's football season. And 
and it's 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 an opportunity for me to shut the brain down, right? So like all of the crazy stuff that happens at work when I'm watching a football game, like I don't think about anything. I just the brain goes into the nothing box. You know, dudes have that. I don't think females have the nothing box. No, that's but, true. You know what I like about football season as someone who covers it is there's a routine that gets rolling. It's yeah. a it's a game on Saturday and then there's a game on the next Saturday. And so there's a routine from a work standpoint between the conclusion of one Saturday's game, regardless of the outcome, to the kickoff of the next Saturday's game. And so you just get into that over the course of 14, 15 weeks, and you look up and it flies by. But like I, when I wake up on a Wednesday in football season, I know precisely what I'm doing that day. And I kind of like that, if I'm honest. I wake up on a Thursday in football season. I know what my schedule is going to be. I can lock it down. I wake up on a Thursday in the non-football season portion of the year, and there's a lot of variance, and I'll forget things. Like, you and I tape on Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock. Right. Outside of football season, I've forgotten a couple of times. I've literally, you called me one day. I had just started out running, and you're like, I'm ready, dude. And I'm like, oh, my God, what time is it? And 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 I turned around and got back, and, you know, I was fine. I, I It was all worked out. But in football season, there's a zero – point zero zero percent chance that I will forget that at Thursday at 10 o'clock Martin and I take mind on my money there's no chance it there's something about the routine of football season that makes me a much more organized efficient human being no doubt about it yeah that's that's the school year for me man summertime is when things go completely awry at my house because just like you said it's and for the kids, and, and we're a family of, unfortunately, I, I, I'm, I'm batting a thousand on my kids <clears throat> with, um, they are kind of the space cadet, like their dad. We have, we are all severely ADD, uh, but we don't take medication. And so routines are, are my medication f- for staying on top of things and things getting done and, you know, and life going on. But in the summertime, it all goes to, to hell in a handbasket and, and it's uh, you know, we it's it's just chaos at our house during the summer. And then top put on top of that, Jen has gone back to school, and dude, and she is carrying an incredible load uh, of schoolwork, and you know, and we're trying to do the summertime routine. And it's, I'll be ready for for August for <laughs> for for her routines to come back. So. It'll be here before you know it. We, uh, I need to tell you before we get rolling in the show oh, yeah. that that's okay. That. No, it's all good. It's all good. People people like it when we just converse. We're going to get to some stuff with the markets, with uh, the Fed. and uh, I think Martin has some fairly optimistic views uh, financially, so we'll get to those in a minute. I do want to tell you, I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is that number. Call it. Uh, tell Corey Clark that you heard about um, Clark Ford on this podcast, on any of the MPW Digital Network of podcasts, but just call him and ask for a quote. You're going to get a quote right to the bottom line within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle. He's not going to bother you. He's not going to harass you. He's not going to keep calling you back. You're going to get a quote, though, and you can take that quote. And you can shop it around. You can use it as a gauge elsewhere. Uh, Corey's been on this show in the past. Or uh, you can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, because our family's all in Clark Fords. We love them. 
great service. I mean, phenomenal service. And it's a great product, and uh, you'll love it too. 662-257-1900. And Martin, please tell our uh, lovely listeners out there in podcast land a little bit about Pinnacle. In podcast land. Uh, <clears throat> man, we... um. We are we are undergoing some some really cool changes here. Um, I know we've talked about it in 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 the past, and we're right right smack in the middle um, of our conversion. I'm really, but I am really excited about uh, where we're where we're heading. We've we've got some new technology that <clears throat> for um, for our clients for for uh, how they interact with us, uh, not only on you know looking at the performance of their investments, but then also um, you know we've got a custom app that we've built that will go live at the end of this month. And, um, I'm really excited about, uh, where we're heading. We're, you know, it's kind of been, you know, uh, almost a baton passing from, you know, the generation one who really built this firm, you know, Stacy, gosh, is almost 25 years ago, branched out and, uh, and started Pinnacle and man, we were, you know, premier wealth management firm, you know, not only in Mississippi, um, but in the Southeast and, uh, and he's passed the baton to, to us, to the second generation, um, to continue to build. And, uh, while he's, you know, still, while he's still here and he's still our CEO and, uh, and still meeting with clients, you know, he's really given us that opportunity to, to build, to build the next version, the next, the next gen of, of, of Pinnacle. And that's what we've been doing. It's been really unique, uh, really fun, but it's been a lot of work, man, uh, for sure. But, one of the things that I think we pride ourselves in is, is really the planning aspect of, of helping people, you know, figure out, make this, see how decisions are going to impact their lives before they make it. Like I had, um, one of our couples in here two weeks ago and, um, they've been really good at saving, um, their, their, their whole life. And the husband, um, he asked, he said, man, I thought I was going to retire at 65. And he's like, but if you told me I could hang the boots up today and and he's 63 and, uh, and he's like, and I don't have to take social security until, you know, 67. And they have, they have pensions. Um, they were both state employees too. <clears throat> um, pretty, pretty well compensated state employees. And he said, you know, Hey, if you could, if they just had their first grandchild, so it's like all these life things are happening. They're like, Hey, you know, we may want to buy a house here. I may want to retire early. Grand new first grandbaby just born is all of this possible? And that was one of the things we were able to sit down with them and go, Hey man, guess what? If you hang the boots up today, you buy a, you know, a condo in Nashville and you spend some time being a, a grandfather and not working, you're going to be just fine. You don't have anything to worry about. And I get, that's, that's kind of really what at the end of the day, the value that we add to our clients, it's not just about, you know, how much money did we make this year? It's about, you know, helping fe- people feel confident about, you know, decisions like that. Can I retire two years early? Can we afford to buy, you know, a condo in Nashville so that we can be next to our, you know, our first grandchild um, more frequently? And those, that's the fun stuff, man. That is really the fun thing of what we're doing. So like, you know, the folks out there that are do-it-yourselfers for investing, you can still do it yourself and invest, but a lot of folks are just missing out on that planning um, relationship or partnership that we, that we offer. So I know that was really long-winded, man, but that was a really good story that kind of happened you know, organically here in the last few weeks. And that's what we pride ourselves, man. That's what Stacy started doing 25 years ago. We're going to continue to do that. We'll just have, you know, some newer technology. So anyway, if, uh, if you're listening to that and that, that hits home and you say, man, I, I wish I want to retire 
sooner than 65 or can I retire sooner than 65, give us a call. Uh, 601-957-0323. That's, um, that's our bread and butter. That's what we like to do is help people solve their problems as it relates to their personal finance. That is a cool story. Do you have a, do you have a in your mind, do you have a targeted retirement date? Do you, do you ever think about like retirement and what, yeah, what that would look like oh, for you? I dude, I have, I have my whole, I have my whole retirement mapped out. If you, if you want to indulge me, I will be very happy. <laughs> sure. To, uh, you're going to laugh at me, but no, but, uh, so one of the things that I really want to do, um, <clears throat> you know, with the next direction of, of pinnacle is, you know, we've got clients scattered all through the Southeast. Um, we've got a lot of clients, you know, here in Mississippi, we've got folks, Louisiana, Texas, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Carolinas, Florida. Um, one of the things that I'd really like to do in the next, I don't know, maybe five years, 10 years is find a practice, you know, in central Florida where I have an advisor that, you know, maybe he's 65 and looking to retire and make wants his, you know, wants to make sure that his clients that he's gotten, you know, um, to the finish line, make sure that they have a successful retirement. And, uh, but he wants to retire himself and that would be a great opportunity for us to partner and, you know, and establish an office in, uh, you know, in the central Florida area. I kind of think maybe somewhere between Tampa and Orlando, um, if it's Tampa or Orlando, that would be cool with me. And, uh, man, I would love to do some split time down there. My dad's family is all, you know, in South Florida, but anyway, what I, what I'd really like is, um, you know, and at about age 60, uh, to 62, if I've done a good enough job of saving and building, uh, you know, a good practice here at Pinnacle, um, and start my transition, uh, I, I would love at age 65 to be able to, you know, pass the baton on to the next generation and, uh, and go to work at Disney, man. I would, I think I would work in guest services. Really? That's my geezer job. I want to, <laughs> but I want to control it. Like if I only want to work two days a week or three days a week, yeah. I'll, I want to, I want to dictate the two or three, but dude, I love Disney. It's like, so you want to like, would, you want to like so, greet the kids when they, as they come into the, to the park or what? Yeah. You know, like the guys are sitting over there, like, you know, waving the big Mickey hands. And then, but if you have problems, like, you know, your band doesn't work or like for me, Jen got sick one time when we were at Disney and she had the flu, like type A, really bad case of the flu. This was like two, it was right before Rona. Um, and it, I went to guest service because like once you start your ticket at Disney, you have like so many days to use it or you lose the days that you don't use. Yeah. Use it or lose so, it. Yep. Yeah. I went to him. She had only, she had only used a day on her seven day ticket and I went to guest services and I was like, look, I know that this is the deal, but here is, you know, she's got the flu and she's not going to be able to use it. I was like, am I going to lose this ticket? And they're like, oh no, we'll get you taken care of. They, they froze the ticket. Jen has five days left. Um, and I, I have for the next time that we go to Disney, she's got a park hopper, five, a five day park hopper ticket, you know, and they just help me solve my problems. And, and that's what I do now is I help people solve their problems as it relates to finance. But at Disney, I could help people solve their problems. And then at the end of the day, I go home and my brain, you know, I don't have to carry, uh, you know, anxiety or worry of, you know, did I make the right choice? Did I say the right things to those people? Did I give them the right suggestions but that's my goal man is to is to uh that's my geezer job like you have folks that greet at walmart i want to i want to be the dude that i want to be the greeter at uh at disney that works in guest services and then you know i want to travel man i mean yeah 
That's what, and that's why I say I want to, I want to have control. So if Jen and I have a, you know, an RV or, or whatever, and we want to go, you know, across America for two months or three months, I want to be able to do that without having to, you know, and the crazy thing is, is with, and I know I'm, I'm rambling, but no, you're all good. Are today with work and technology, you can almost still do that while you're working, but I wouldn't want to do it while I'm still working full time because then it takes away from the experience of, of traveling. But man, I I can't remember if we've talked about sailing on the show or not. I love sailing. Um, I won a little boat for a hundred bucks. It's an old 1977. I'm learning 20- so many new things about you in in the first 15 minutes of the show. I had no idea. Although I will I, I will tell you, I must confess because my neighbor uh, Johnny Goff is like the absolute king of yacht rock. No joke. Like oh, I, right on. Like, and so as soon as you said the word sailing, I started singing Christopher Cross's song in my head. I apologize. You want to sing it for us? No, no. I mean, I, I probably could, but no. That, that's We're trying to get people to listen to the show, not to turn well, off see, the show. I don't listen to any music when I'm out sailing. I, don't, I, I just love like the quiet and then... You know, you got to do a little bit of work on the front end to get the sails hoisted and, and trimmed properly. And you got to do a little bit of work while you're while you're sailing. But man, like just hearing the boat slap the water, no engine running, you know, you can have a conversation. It's just awesome, dude. I love it. And uh, so anyway, I'd, I want to, I'd love. Just you wait and see. There you go. I'd love like a 42 to 48 foot gunboat, which is a catamaran. And, um, and I could sail all through the Caribbean, uh, charter it. I could sail around the world if I wanted to. And it, it's the smallest boat that you can single man. I don't want to go around the world with you, but I wouldn't mind coming down for one of the Caribbean cruises. Yeah. I mean, dude, it'd be fun. And then anyway, uh, that dude, that is, that has been my, my retirement goal beer? for the, for the gunboat has since Jen and I, since Jen has known me, I have said that. And I think she used to think I was like joking and, um, and then she, I think she's going, oh my God, am I going to have to live on a, on a sailboat for, <laughs> for our time? She probably will not come with me. She doesn't really, she doesn't enjoy it as much as I do, but I just love the peace and quiet. And there's a yeah. beginning in which I don't have at work. It's like work is just constantly going. There's always something new. And I like that. I like the excitement of it, but you never, I never feel like I've completed something. Whereas with sailing, it's like I get on the boat, get it ready. I go out, I hoist the sails, we go for a cruise for, you know, an hour, two hours, three hours, whatever. I come back, you know, put the sails down, fold everything up, and it's done. It's like it's finished. It's like cutting your yard. I sound like my dad. No, that does sound good, though. Like, no joke. I, As long as I don't have to do any work, if if I could just sit on the boat and, like, drink beer and yeah. listen to the waves, I'm good, man. I, I'd, I'd love to come hang out with you. I don't want to go around the world because that sounds like a long endeavor. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that can go wrong uh, when you're going around the world, and I don't, I don't, I don't know that I'll ever do it either. I don't have that. I don't have that urge, yeah. but I could. But I do have the urge to, you know, sail from St. Petersburg down to you know the Dry Tortugas and see like those old war um, forts and you know jails and prisons off of Dry Tortugas, and then sail through the Caribbean. Like I just think that would be so cool, man. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get on topic in a second. A lot of, a sh- <laughs> I know you have uh, I know you have a lot. Of, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have you have a lot of Cuban roots, correct? Uh, man, I do. My dad is born in Cuba, 
in Olguin, which is uh, that's what I thought out of the of the island. And yeah, there's some crazy stuff happening right now in Cuba. They've shut the government shut off the internet to the whole island. I was going to ask you when you I know that because I I thought that as I was kind of watching the news and reading about the news a lot in the last few days and, and about what's happening in Cuba. I, th- I thought about you cause I'm like, I think Martin's family is, is from Cuba. Yeah. I'm what, first gen. My dad's side of the family on my dad's side of the family. I'm first generation American. What have, what have been your thoughts? Man, I, you know, I, the Cuba thing is, it's really, it's really kind of a sad story because, you know, I know, and oh my gosh, here, we're going to dive into politics, but I don't think you can, I don't think you can talk about Cuba and not talk about politics. Because, you know, what, what has happened since 59 with when Castro overthrew the Batista <clears throat> government, which, so back up a little bit, very short <clears throat> for people that didn't know or haven't listened to our very first episode, like my grandfather had a massive sugarcane farm, a sugarcane plantation, and um, he had buildings inside of the, in the city, like uh, commercial buildings that he owned, they had a beach home. They were a very well-to-do family, and he was a Batista supporter. Um, you know, Batista was a little bit more free market, uh, you know, let things kind of come and go. Cuba was a great, beautiful place to be. And then uh, in 59, uh, you know, Castro overthrew the Batista government, and, um, and, and, and they started snatching up and uh, seizing personal property. They started with bank accounts, which, you know, if I was going to be a dictator, that's probably the first thing I would freeze too. And so, you know, a lot of those Cubans that fled to Miami, you know, a lot of people think that, um, you know, the Hispanic, the Cuban Hispanic vote is, you know, is going to vote to the left. And, and that could not be more true. I mean, more false, because the, the truth is, is that because of socialism and extreme socialism, they lost everything that they had. There's no such thing as, you know, as a, as equality that that does not exist. The only thing that was equal was the amount of rations that, you know, my aunts would get. She got the same amount of ration as someone else, but she lost a 7,000 acre sugarcane plantation that was my grandfather's and all of the means to generate an income. And she gets rations now. Like that's not equal. Yeah. Everyone's equally poor and destitute except for Castro. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about the Cuban side of my heritage, the politics, which, I mean, I think most people probably have picked up that I, I do not lean to the left. And a lot of that is because, you know, just growing up in my dad's story and, you know, in the family story, it's just, it feels like a total disrespect to, you know, what happened to them to, to think that socialism could ever work because the experiment has been tried so many places and I haven't found, and, and I may be wrong. There may be somewhere out there where it's worked. Um, but I don't, I don't think that that, that's the case. And then now, you know, the Cuban people are protesting and revolting. I mean, they've been starving for, you know, gosh, for 60 years. Um, and then the government came in and said, uh, well, check this out. We'll, we'll engage your protest with violence and then we'll shut off your means of communication to the outside world. So we have no idea what is happening, you know, inside of Cuba, um, because the government has shut down internet access phones <clears throat> and they used to have, you know, radio waves and radio towers in Miami, um, that would port over into Cuba so that, you know, folk Cuban born Floridians could listen to uh, Cuban radio, hear what's going on. And, and man, the, the government has ceased all of that. And I think DeSantis 
sent a letter, not think, I know, I saw it, I read the letter, sent a letter to Biden saying, hey, you know, this is going on 90 miles, you know, south of us. And, you know, if we are going to do what's the right thing that Americans do and support people who are, you know, trying to be free of tyrannical government, we at least need to float the satellites above them and give them internet access so that they can communicate with their families that are living in Florida. Uh, and I don't know what Biden's response is, if he's even responded to that letter, but it's, it's kind of crazy, man. It is, uh, you know, I thought there was going to be some good relations with Cuba um, back in kind of the 2008, 2009 um, timeframe. Uh, I thought Raul Castro would uh, be a little bit more of a social Democrat than, uh, um, than, uh, than, you know, than just a full on communist um, socialist. But, but the social democracy does not seem to be in the cards. And I know that we re we uh, reenacted the um, restrictions when Trump came into office. So there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of families that you know uh, haven't seen their families in a long time, and then now they can't communicate with them, which is which is kind of wild. I was disappointed, and not get, not get political, but I was disappointed in the response from the White House about uh, the the people. Fleeing from Haiti, for example. I was disappointed in the, if you're fleeing from Haiti or you're fleeing from Cuba, don't, because we're going to turn you around. Yep. When that is a complete uh, opposite of what we're saying at the southern border. And, right. you know, I... Think about that. You're spot on. Um, it, it bothers me because, frankly, and I, I'll openly admit that I'm I'm not Cuban. I don't come from Cuban heritage. I don't know about the plight of Cuba other than what I hear from people like you and and it saddens me greatly and I understand that the people who are fleeing from Ecuador and those places are also fleeing from oppression um, but we need to have some consistency and when who we take or who we don't take where the, where it looks like that is based on how you think those people might vote if they become citizens um, I find that to be troubling, but I find a lot of things going on in our country today to be troubling. That's the word troubling There's a lot. We we don't do that here. We, we probably will at some point. We have some other things we want to get to. We want to talk about the fed. We want to talk about earnings. Uh, but yeah. yeah, there's, there's an inconsistency from this administration and it's funny, you know, and I'll, I'll say this, uh, Trump's not the president anymore. And there's a whole lot of noise sometimes from the left about, well, Trump did this and Trump did this. You're on the clock now. Yep. The Democrats are, you're in power. Biden is the president. People make all these Biden jokes. Like, hey, it's not funny. He's the president. He, 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 he's the president. He's been sworn in and he's the president. So this, this beat up Trump thing that the left does sometimes, that the Democrats do sometimes as almost a distraction from the mistakes that they're making, we're hitting the point where it's no longer effective. Trump's not the president. He has not been the president for more than half a year now. You're on the clock. And sometimes these inconsistencies, even though they, they, they don't get uh, particularly highlighted by the mainstream media, they're pretty obvious. And they're bothersome. That's the word that, that I find. It's bothersome. There's... I, I live in Oxford right now today, Martin, and, and the, the news in Oxford today, everybody is, is kind of waiting with bated breath as to what the school district is going to do about back-to-school policies. 
as it pertains to uh, to COVID-19 and now the Delta variant. And I told someone yesterday who disagrees with me, I said, you know, this is what happens when health officials and government officials, and lie might be the wrong word, but where they twist the truth over the course of a year, a year plus, both sides of the aisle, I think people get to a place where they don't trust anything. And so today in Oxford, uh, you should have been able, people were supposedly going to be able to watch on a Zoom call. And a lot of people had a very difficult time getting on the Zoom call that went on this morning. And so, you know, there that comes across, even though it was very likely, almost certainly a technological error, right? You can't help but go, hey, was it intentional? Because you don't want people to hear the conversation? Because there's a lot of talk in this town about, are you going to require the, the, the school kids to wear masks? And I've been one of the people that kind of unintentionally have led a campaign for optional masking. I don't think kids should have to wear a mask in school this fall. The vaccine's readily available. Every teacher, every staff member, every cafeteria staff, everyone, at this point has had, it's July, so by the time school starts August the 6th, they will have had at an absolute minimum five months, and in some cases six months, but we'll call it five for for, for conservative uh, estimations, five months to get vaccinated. Now, if you've chosen not to get vaccinated, I'm cool with that. I'm fine. That's fine. I, I honestly don't care. I, I really don't. But if you've chosen not to get vaccinated, that's your choice. Making kids do something to protect you when you didn't protect yourself is a bad look. And then further, I think we've established at this point that masks, certainly the way that they're employed in schools by young people, are not particularly effective, if effective at all which means that we're taking kids and we're making them political theater. And I'm totally against that. And so this is ongoing. And so I found out just a minute ago that they've pushed the vote to the 26th of July. And it makes you wonder, what are we waiting on? What are we doing? We're going to do this thing with, with kids. And it's, it's, it's really bothersome where we are. And that's the word that keeps coming to my mind is it's kind of bothersome. So, you were telling me uh, that uh, a couple of things that aren't bothersome, frankly. The, there's, there's pressure on the Fed, I think, as it pertains to interest rates, and, and yet the, the Fed is, does not seem to be caving to that pressure. And then you were also telling me that earnings, it's earnings season and that the early returns, if you will, are pretty positive. So I'll, yeah. I'll ask you to elaborate. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of, and, and this is, you know, we've talked about this so many times on this show, and I'm sure you talk about it many times in other places as well. You know, uh, my saying is if it bleeds, it leads, right? So if, if it's creates fear or anxiety or, or, or stokes any type of emotion that's where people need to be stuck to some outlet, um, you know, that's, that's what, what folks are going to lead with. And so one of the, one of the fear tactics that you've heard as it relates to financial news lately is, um, is inflation, right? Is, oh, inflation is gonna, is going to be, you know, it's going to come in so, so high and it's going to, it's going to ruin us all. And I think that, you know, as I've said before, inflation is definitely something that we need to, you know, to be cognizant of, but we have run 
we have run under the inflation target for so long here in the U.S. that at some point for just a reversion back to the mean. So if inflation is supposed to be at two to two and a half percent on average, and we've been running, you know, way under two percent for the last several years, at some point inflation is going to have to be higher than two percent or two and a half percent. And by higher, it could be, you know, it could run at three percent for you know, five years. Uh, I would prefer that it would be a 3% for longer than a 5% for, you know, for two years. So you see that number kind of get flopped around the five. You know, we thought inflation was going to come in at 5% year over year. It came in at 5.4. And then it's like, oh, you know, every, the, go turn all of your, you know, investments into cash and put it in the, you know, gold and CDs and under your mattress. And, and I just, I want people to, to just pause when they hear stuff like that and kind of go, okay, what, what is, what all does that number actually mean? Because uh, uh, the, the, the outlets will publish where the inflation is coming from. And if you look at it, it's really coming from, um, you know, things like airline tickets are up significantly, you know, I think it was like 26%, um, prices up over last year's prices. Well, we were still in the middle of the pandemic. So that makes sense, right? That's not going to be a, a long-term deal because let's just use, let's talk simple math. Let's just say that, you know, last year, this time airline tickets were $250, right? And I'm just, I'm going to use $500 because it's just easy math. And then, you know, this year, now that same airline ticket from Delta, from Jackson to Atlanta is $500. Okay. Yeah. You've got inflation there, but when we go to next year, so when we are, when we're recording, you know, mine on my money on July 15th of 2022, I bet if we look at airline prices, they're probably going to be very equivalent to where they were this year, right? You're not going to have a huge spike in, in, in airline prices. But since everything was shut down and there was no demand for travel, the only thing that, you know, the airlines could do to, to stoke demand is drop the price. So it makes sense that there is an increase in price, you know, year over year. I think it's going to be like this all year long. There's an increase in price year over year in things like travel because travel industry was shut down. Restaurants are going to be, you know, very similar, but, you know, and a lot of it is coming from the used car. And I mean, I'm sure that, that Corey could probably, you know, confirm and attest to that, that prices for used cars are, are higher this year than they were, you know, last year too. And then some of that has been, there's a, the there's a supply put, issue uh, in the, in the automobile, 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 excuse me, automotive industry, there's a supply issue right now that's absolutely impacting everything about that, that business. Yeah. So you think, all right, let's, let's break that down real elementary. So there's a supply issue for manufacturing news, new vehicles, right? Which means that, you know, if they can't get the chips to make a new vehicle, then the new vehicle doesn't get made. So the supply is not at the market. Well, if someone totals their car, let's just say it's me, I'm driving my 2018 F-150. I get in a wreck and it gets totaled, right? And I say, well, man, I like my F-150. So I go to Corey and I say, Corey, dude, um, you know, can you put me in an F-150? And he says, well, gosh, Martin, uh, I don't have any new ones available and I'm being extreme. I don't have any new ones available because I can't, you know, the, the chips from Taiwan, you know, have been all snatched up by China. So we can't get the chips that we need to make new F 150s. So therefore, there are no new F 150s on the market. But I have this 2016 F 150 
that uh, you know was already made six years ago. It that that one doesn't get hit by the supply chain because it's already physically there. So I can sell you this 2016. Well, if the only thing that's on the markets, and I'm being extreme here, if if most of what's on the markets is is used vehicles because we're having supply issues for new ones, it doesn't surprise me that people are being forced into you know, purchasing new ve- uh, used vehicles that might have otherwise bought a new one. Therefore, there's more demand for used vehicles. Therefore, the price is going to go up for the the used vehicle. So all of these things kind of make sense, you know, inside of inside of a vacuum. But once the supply gut is, or supply glut is, is smoothed out, and it'll probably take a year for that to happen. Next year at this time, when we look back, we're going to go, okay, um, you know, maybe used cars prices are even less next year than they were this year. So that's what they mean by transitory, meaning that something there's an event that made something cost more right now. It's not going to be long-term. And that's what the Fed keeps saying is we do not think that this is long-term, you know, inflation at 5%. We think this is transitory because of the events of last year. And then things will kind of smooth out in 22, but that's what people want to talk about, right? The news wants to talk about, Oh my God, inflation came in at 5.5% instead of five. And you look at it and you're like, dude, I mean, I haven't traveled. I haven't bought an airline ticket. I haven't stayed in hotels and I'm not buying a used car. So is inflation, has it really hit my house really hard? Yeah, probably a little bit, but no, not, you know, if I was needing to buy a car and I'm traveling and needing a hotel room, like if I'm a work traveler, you know, yeah, inflation has, has kicked up. But anyway, I spent a long time talking about that and I, but I answered the fed question and the inflation question. But one thing I think we have to talk about, and I totally forgot in pre-show, I can't believe I forgot to talk about it in our little pre-show conversation, is today a lot of people are going to open their, you know, if they log in online to their bank, they're going to look at their bank account and they're going to have a deposit in their bank account from the IRS. Um, And the the government started sending them out today and it's the child tech, child tax credits that you, that, uh, that a lot of people get uh, when they file their taxes, what, uh, what the white house did was said, Hey, we want to, you know, advance some of those out to folks. And I think it's like, Oh gosh, I should have looked at the numbers. I'm going off the top of my head. So please don't just don't shoot me for, if I say something wrong, I, I will not shoot you 300 bucks. If they're under the age of six, like 300 bucks each month through year end, if they're under the age of six, anyway, all it is, is it's, it's just an advancement of the credit that you're going to get on your taxes in April. So here's where I want to caution people. This is not free money. So if you get a, if you get a crap ton of, um, you know, money back when you file your taxes and in April, it may not have as big of an impact. You're just going to get less because you got, you know, let's just say you're getting 300 bucks a month for six months, you know, 300 bucks times six is, is $1,800. So if you're used to getting a, $5,000 $5,000 return this year, you know, next year when you do it, it might be 5,000 minus 1800 to give you a $3,200 return. But if you're either used to paying in or, you know, or you are one of those that like are nail it right where, you know, you don't pay, but you don't get anything back either. Do not spend that money because, uh, you're not, that credit is have already been advanced to you. So Let's just say if you're one of those that is able to knock yours to zero, right? Where you don't pay, you don't get anything back. It's like, perfect. I wish I could do that. I can't figure out how to do it. Um, but you're going to owe, let's go same scenario. If you would have gotten, you know, $1,800 in the credit, 
you're going to owe $1,800 uh, to the IRS on April 15th. So, so don't spend it. Um, and a lot of people, probably most of our listeners, like will understand that and say, hey, I heard Martin say, you know, hey, we don't get a whole lot back or we pay in. So if we spend this money, we're going to have to pay it back in April. So I want our listeners who, you know, who either break even on taxes or pay in, don't spend that money because you're going to have to pay it back on, in, on April 15th. But if you get a huge return and you want to spend it, fine. You're just going to get less back in, in April. So I think that's hugely crucial to talk about. I can't believe I totally forgot to mention it on when our pre-show conversation, but if, if that's the biggest nugget people walk away with today, I, I have done my job because it is not free money. Even though some folks will look at their bank account and go, man, I got 300 bucks today. No, you didn't. That's a, that is a future liability <laughs> that you got advanced to you. So, uh, I don't know what, what brother Joe or uncle Joe or whatever it is that they call him is, uh, is trying to do here. Um, you know, except for maybe people who get a lot back and they really need some extra cash flow. I, I, okay, cool. You just advance them some money from April, but for people who break even or pay in, he, it's not, a, it is not free money and he didn't do you a favor. Uncle Joe just sent you a liability that's going to be due on April 15th next year. Oh, there will be so many people out there that spend it, that think yep. it's free money. And then yep. come tax time, they'll be like, where's my credit? Yep. And unfortunately, that's, that's inevitable. Well, I mean, I, I don't even know. I mean, we've it, dude, and they dude, the IRS interest uh, interest rate is they tag interest monthly when you when you don't pay your debt by April 15th. So, you know, they'll hit you with fines for not paying it on time and then also, you know, interest for it's yeah, it can be a bad situation for someone who breaks even or has to pay in. Yeah, no doubt. I put that money in an account that you don't have a debit card or credit card to and just let that sit there till next April because you're going to have to pay it. Anything else, Martin? I man, I think we talked about a lot I feel today. Like we, I don't I feel like we solved the world's problems just then. We did. You know, there is going to be someone who listened to this today and in April they're going to tell us uh, thank you for telling me to put that money in a in an account and not spend it. Th- that's going to happen. I guarantee it. Someone is going to listen and do that. And and man, we will have we've paid for our show. Yeah. Well, there are people, and I mean, I don't mean this critically. There are people who are blissfully unaware of some of the stuff in the world. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And they and and they and, they don't it, keep up. They so say they don't know, and because they, they just don't want to know. They don't. They, they don't want to watch the news. And I get it because the news is can be really polarizing. Dude, I don't watch it. I mean, I you know try what's to read. funny. I don't. I I can't remember the last time. It's got to be since the election. I can't remember the last time that I sat down and watched a news program anywhere. Like I yeah. mean, I've, I've I've watched bits and pieces of stuff, yeah, I, and I, ha- I read the Wall Street Journal pretty religiously, yep. and that's about it, man. I mean, I, I I get. Otherwise, I catch myself getting angry, and there's no point in getting angry. I mean, there, there's you know all you can do. Like I just told a friend, um, upset about this mask thing. I will end with this because this is this is the reality of the world. You let your voice be heard. 
You speak up. You talk to your school board. You tell the superintendent. You tell the people on the school board that, hey, here's how I feel. You encourage others to be heard. And then at some point, this is simple as this. At some point, you stop fighting on social media, and I'm guilty of that bad. And you put your money where your mouth is. And so for me, it's very simple. If the Oxford School District is going to use my child as a political pawn, as political theater, to appease a handful of the scared, that's fine. That email that I got earlier today saying, hey, the uh, Oxford Booster Club is having a thing August the 7th, and we'd love to have you there and tables or whatever. Silent auction, baby. The answer is no. No, thank you. No, thanks. I would have given you $500. Now I'm giving you no dollars. And if enough people use their money as the weapon, if you will, you'll get attention. Otherwise, you get run over. And it's really that simple. And, you know, elections have consequences. Decisions have consequences. It is what it is. And so, you know, I don't envy superintendents around the, the, the country who have these decisions to make because you're not going to make everyone happy. Uh, it's not possible. But, you know, you when you, took, you when you took the job, you knew that was part of the deal. And there it is. And so when you have a meeting that you've advertised and your Zoom link doesn't work, it's going to... It's going to feud conspiracy theorists. It's going to feud anger. It's going to feed anger. It's going to fuel that. It's going to make people uh, have unrest. And it's going to make people think, what are you waiting till the 26th for? What's going to change between today and 11 days from now? What's, what's going to change? It, you know, so, you, so that gives the, the state 11 more days to gin up a bunch of fear. And that's, that's how people feel. And so... And then there's the people on the other side that absolutely believe that masks work and they are deathly afraid of these schools not having the, the kids masked up all day long. And I know teachers who are frustrated by it. They don't want to have to do this for another year. It's, um, it's really interesting that we're still doing this. If you had told me in March of 2020 we'd still be having this conversation in mid-July of 2021, I wouldn't have believed you. All right, we're going to roll. Uh, Thanks for everybody for making us a part of your week. We'll be back. Uh, Martin, actually, we won't be back next Thursday. I will be be out of town. SEC Media Days is next week. So uh, we'll be back in two weeks, start getting into a pretty regular fall routine. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll be back in two weeks with another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle. Again, thanks for making us a part of your week. Those of you who are out traveling like I will be, please be safe and uh, enjoy what's left of your summer vacation. And we'll be back with you, I guess that'll be on uh, the, the 29th of July with another edition of Mind on My Money. For Martin Paloma, I'm Neil McCready. Take care. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nade Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.